The truth is, none of us can predict the future. We just have to make the best decision for ourselves with the information we have at the time. Is your best decision to move forward with the process as wisely as possible? Or is it to hit pause until you've been vaccinated or the U.S. has reached herd immunity? That answer is only one you can make. Whoever thought making a baby could be so hard? Luckily, the fertility journey isn't meant to be traveled alone. Eloise Drain has helped hundreds of people build and grow their families over the last 15 years. And she's ready to share her insider knowledge and expertise with you. So grab a seat and let's talk fertility and alternative family building in the Fertility Cafe. Welcome to Fertility Cafe. I'm your host, Eloise Drain. This is the first episode of season two of the podcast where we take an honest look at modern family building through surrogacy, egg donation, and embryo donation. On today's episode, I want to take a look at how COVID-19 has affected surrogacy in the United States, what challenges and opportunities, yes, opportunities, have appeared, and what we can expect in the foreseeable future as vaccines are distributed. We'll look at the topic from the perspective of both intended parents and gestational surrogates. How did the pandemic disrupt or alter people's plans for surrogacy journeys in the United States? And what's the current status? I don't have to tell you that the current global pandemic has upended our lives in an unprecedented way. Are you tired of that word, unprecedented yet? I know I am. But there's really no better way to describe what we're living through. Over the past several months, we've all had to make adjustments and alter our plans in new and drastic ways. Let's get to the biggest question right up front. Are surrogacy journeys still happening? The answer is yes, absolutely. Agencies, family inceptions among them, continue to help intended parents fulfill their dreams of modern family building, and surrogates are still very much needed. In fact, surrogates are arguably needed now more than ever. The process looks a bit different, and there are new and serious issues to consider, but I can assure you that people are moving forward every day with their family building plans. The biggest question seems to be, is now the right time or do we delay because of COVID? For those of you in the research or planning phase, either as intended parents or a potential surrogate, your initial steps forward won't be all that different from what you would do in normal times. Move ahead. Keep going. While surrogacy journeys did happen in the second half of 2020, many hopeful parents decided to delay plans until a more stable time. A lot of people took the time to reevaluate goals and determine what is truly a priority. While a lot of people faced economic hardships, others were able to add to their savings, perhaps getting closer to their financial goals for surrogacy. As we enter 2021, with the vaccine on the horizon now, Things are looking up. Stability is around the corner, and so momentum in the surrogacy field is picking back up again. Applications from potential surrogates dropped off across the board during the lockdown, for understandable reasons. And because of this, surrogate mothers are in higher demand now than ever before. If this is something that's been on your heart, please move forward with your initial application and screening steps. There are so many intended parents waiting for you. If you've been on the fence about moving forward with surrogacy because of COVID, now might actually be the best time to start taking action, especially when you consider a typical timeline. A surrogacy journey for intended parents typically takes an average of 15 to 20 months, sometimes longer. If you've been dreaming of growing your family via surrogacy, I don't think coronavirus should hold you back. 
And the reality is many intended parents don't have the luxury of time. Delaying the start of a journey by a year or more just isn't feasible for some. Your journey is just that, yours. So you have to weigh what's right for you. If you would be more comfortable waiting until the pandemic has subsided, then you would be well within your rights to do so. I can say that if you feel comfortable moving forward, if your doctor and other medical professionals have given the green light and you feel strongly that you want to get the ball rolling now, it's a good idea to start taking action. It's a long process after all, so you are still many months away from a possible embryo transfer and pregnancy. I also fully support those of you who are on the fence. Under normal circumstances, you would be ready to jump right into the surrogacy process, researching and meeting with agencies, beginning the search for a surrogate, diving into the embryo creation process. These are anything but normal circumstances. I get it. Here's what I would say to you, though. Lean into the preparation stages, because heaven knows there is a lot of preparation that goes into a successful surrogacy journey. Now is a fantastic time to do your homework. Contact a variety of agencies via phone or the internet. Set up virtual consultations. Virtual video chats are a thing for our agency even before COVID. And if we want to look on the bright side, we're all much better at navigating Zoom meetings now than we were this time last year. You may want to look into going the independent route without hiring an agency. In that case, you have a lot of research and planning to do. A great place to start with that is Surrogacy Roadmap, our comprehensive course on independent surrogacy. You can find a link in our show notes. If you do decide to go the agency route, let's say you find one you feel good about. You like their services and get a good vibe from the people who work there. You find nothing but positive reviews and see that they've been around for a significant length of time. In normal times, you'd be ready to sign a contract to get the ball rolling. Do you hold off because of COVID or do you take the next step forward? Let's go back to our timeline. Typically, after you sign on to work with an agency, you'll start the matching process to find your surrogate. This can take anywhere from four to eight months. Once all of the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted on your surrogacy agreement, you'll start the embryo transfer portion of the journey. This could take another two to three months. So in all likelihood, your surrogacy pregnancy will begin somewhere between six and nine months from the time you sign your agency contract. Picture life six to nine months from now. Can you see things being drastically different? Now that vaccines are being distributed, I think it's safe to say that yes, things will be different. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, gave us his prediction for when life might get back to normal. In a December 2020 speech, Dr. Fauci said he expects the United States to reach herd immunity by the end of summer or early fall 2021 if we can vaccinate 75 to 80% of the population. Thinking about all of the ways our knowledge and understanding of coronavirus has changed since the beginning of the pandemic, I can only trust that we'll be better equipped to handle post-COVID life in the future. We have a lot of reasons to be optimistic about life later this year. My recommendation is that if you are an intended parent hoping to begin a surrogacy journey, there's no reason to not get the ball rolling with an agency. If you're not quite ready to commit to an agency, maybe explore independent surrogacy. If something were to change, for example, a new lockdown or an illness in your own family, you could always pause your surrogate match or delay the transfer. At the very least, begin gathering information and taking your first steps, if that is where your heart is. 
What about those of you who are thinking about becoming a gestational surrogate? Should you move forward? Or what kinds of risks are you taking on? And would it be better to wait a while if you're able? Here again, we'll look at at a typical timeline now from the surrogate's perspective. From application to birth, a surrogate's typical timeline is 12 to 16 months. Once you apply, it could take anywhere from one to three months to match with the right family. Let's say you're still hesitant because of COVID-19, which is completely understandable, but you feel drawn to the idea of serving as a surrogate. You love being pregnant and feel a strong calling to help others complete their families. My answer to you in this case is it doesn't have to be an either-or situation. You could absolutely go ahead and apply to be a surrogate, get your initial application and interview out of the way, go through with the necessary psychological and medical screenings, and then request to be put on hold in the process. This isn't like getting on a roller coaster and being unable to stop the ride once it starts. You're in control. And up until that surrogacy contract is signed and you're growing a baby for another family, you can pump the brakes at any time. The plus side to going ahead with the application process now is that in the future, when you do feel comfortable, you can be ready to match with someone right away. The truth is, none of us can predict the future. We just have to make the best decision for ourselves with the information we have at the time. Is your best decision to move forward with the process as wisely as possible? Or is it to hit pause until you've been vaccinated or the U.S. has reached herd immunity? That answer is only one you can make. In fact, now might be the best time to become a surrogate. There is a huge demand as so many intended parents are desperate to find their match. Because of the pandemic, the number of eligible and willing gestational surrogates has dropped significantly. You are needed. If you're unsure if you qualify, Head to familyinceptions.com to take a free quiz. Let's say you're ready to apply. Fantastic. Here's what you can expect given the current realities due to COVID. First, in this era of social distancing, you can expect to meet virtually more often than not. You should expect remote meetings with agency personnel, counselors, attorneys, financial planners, and medical staff whenever possible. When you do need to attend a meeting in person for a medical screening or procedure, for example, you'll need to adhere to precautions like wearing a face covering, maintaining a six-foot distance from others, washing your hands frequently, getting your temperature taken, and so on. In-person meetups between intended parents and surrogates will be few and far between and socially distant, if they happen at all. Surrogates expect your prenatal appointments to look very different from any past pregnancy. You'll probably have to attend all of your doctor visits alone without your partner, children, or the baby's intended parents. You'll wear a mask to each visit, have your temperature taken upon arrival, and you'll prepare for a pandemic-era labor and delivery experience. Don't worry too much. We'll talk later about COVID and pregnancy in general, but for now, know to expect much of the same changes we've already discussed. Again, you're picturing life several months down the road, 12 to 16 months from now, Hospitals and day-to-day life will likely be very different from how they are now. If you were to head into give birth today, you will likely be limited to one support person. The intended parents may or may not be able to be present for the birth, depending on the hospital in which you would be delivering. You would be given a COVID test as a precaution, and you would notice hospital staff wearing extra PPE. If you happen to test positive, you would probably have to wear a mask or take other precautions to prevent spread of the virus while laboring. 
Again, I want to reiterate, this is the reality now. What might it look like when you get to that point in your own journey, roughly a year or more from now? There's no way to know for sure, but it's important to keep all this in mind as you're making your decision. Many of these precautions may be lifted given the reality of an effective vaccine. Intended parents, you still receive frequent updates about the progress of the pregnancy. You'll receive text messages and phone calls, videos, maybe bump pictures and fun updates about how much the baby is kicking, which rib he's poking today. You'll hear about the baby's growth after each prenatal visit and get those coveted ultrasound pictures. And most importantly, in the end, you will be a parent, holding your newborn and learning to navigate sleepless nights and first baths and all the new parent milestones ahead of you. Life with COVID-19 is challenging. It's scary at times. But there's still nothing like the moment you become a parent. And if your heart is set on it, believe me, you can make it happen, even now. So let's talk a bit about how COVID-19 affected surrogacy. A look back. To understand how the surrogacy field has been affected by COVID, I want to spend some time looking at what happened in the early stages of the pandemic. There's the old saying, hindsight is 2020. And while I don't think we've had enough time living with the challenges of COVID-19 to achieve perfect vision yet, there's still a lot we can learn from what we've experienced so far. For the record, I'm recording this podcast in early 2021. I think that's important to mention since I don't know when you'll be hearing this episode. I'm fully aware that a lot may have changed by the time you listen. The COVID-19 pandemic is a rapidly evolving crisis and new guidelines come out frequently. Our current situation, at least here in the United States, is that cases continue to spread, but much of the country has fully or partially reopened. We're still under strict international travel bans and travel from foreign nationals into the U.S. is still restricted. Following the 2020 holiday season, the United States has seen an unfortunate spike in cases and deaths. And as of this recording, we've had over 21 million cases and 365,000 deaths. To say that we are far from having this under control would be an understatement. However, there is hope as the vaccine gets distributed. Let's go back in time to March of 2020 when all of this really came to a head to get a picture of what happened with surrogacy. Our families and surrogates who were already well into their surrogacy journey faced unprecedented challenges as our economy and life as we knew it came to a screeching halt. For those just starting the initial phases of a journey, there may have been a slight delay in communication between intended parents, surrogates and agencies or other professionals. I know for us, we had an uncertain couple of weeks as we transitioned to working from home. We were hyper-focused on supporting our current surrogates and attendant parents through the uncertain early days of the crisis, and so there were definitely disruptions to our everyday processes. And then we started to ease back into life sometime in April or early May. It wasn't too long before our agency was back up and running, more or less as normal, taking new inquiries from people interested in surrogacy. Those who were in the midst of the matching process faced what we all did, the abrupt shift from in-person meetings to all things Zoom. Again, this wasn't too different from the matching process during normal times. Most of the time, our parents and potential surrogates connected via phone or video. It's not uncommon to match with someone who lives several states away or even in another country. Industry-wide in the U.S., 
we saw a small decrease in the number of new surrogate applications. But for the most part, other than potentially delayed administrative or communication issues, families in the early stage of their journey were doing okay. The biggest disruption, unfortunately, affected those individuals who were already well on their way through the process, those who already had transfers scheduled, for example. Fertility clinics were forced to stop procedures abruptly, even further delaying an already lengthy and emotional process. For many people caught off guard by this, the delay caused anxiety and inconvenience, but it ultimately prolonged the journey by just a few months. By July, most clinics had resumed operation. For others, their entire timeline was thrown off. Some surrogates awaiting embryo transfers had to back away from their contracts, unable to wait indefinitely for clinics to get up and running again. Perhaps the most heartbreaking challenge in those early months was how the shutdown affected women who were already carrying a baby. In many regions of the U.S., like New York, the cases were so high and the risk of infection was so great that hospitals and doctor's offices had to clamp down on the number of people allowed inside. For a while, pregnant women were not allowed to have any support person present for labor and delivery, not their own spouse or partner, and definitely not the intended parents. Because of travel restrictions, intended parents weren't always able to be present for the first hours or days of their baby's lives. Parents working with domestic surrogates had trouble with travel. For example, New York was a major hotspot in March and April. New York is also home to a lot of intended parents who are using surrogacy to build their families. New Yorkers were banned from traveling to other states initially, so if their baby was being born to a surrogate in California, for example, they weren't able to get a flight. Eventually, these restrictions eased up, but a lot of families were caught between a rock and a hard place at the worst possible time. Domestic surrogacy had its own challenges here in the States. But those with international surrogacy arrangements had layers upon layers of complications. Some of those complications are still in effect today, months later. Intended parents from China, for example, found it nearly impossible to enter the United States to be with their babies. So what happens when an intended parent can't be united with their child? Under normal circumstances, a surrogate gives birth and then the intended parents take over. The surrogate has no parental rights. The intended parents are the legal parents and their names go on the birth certificate. No one in the field wants a surrogate to ever be placed in a situation where she has to bond with and care for the baby of an intended parent. A major tenant of gestational surrogacy is to maintain healthy and distinct boundaries. The gestational surrogate doesn't breastfeed, do initial skin-to-skin, or otherwise care for the child. The way it's supposed to work is that the intended parents step in to hold their child for the first time, performing all of the important firsts with him or her, like spending the first hour holding the baby skin-to-skin, giving him his first bath, dressing her in her first outfit. When the world shut down, so many intended parents were robbed of this opportunity. Babies born to surrogates were literally stranded in some cases. I'll be honest, it was extremely hard for me to watch this unfold. Imagine being the parent of one of these babies. It was just, it was hard. It was a very hard and dark time for a lot of people. The rocky path forged by those first babies and intended parents has served an important purpose, though. It's shown us a vulnerability, especially in the international surrogacy process, 
giving us the opportunity to come up with contingency plans and legal avenues for protecting the rights of intended parents. But it's also shown us just how resilient and determined intended parents are. Truly, love knows no bounds, literally, figuratively, in all things in between. So what were some of the solutions when parents could not physically get to their babies? In some cases, the surrogates offered to care for the child until the parents could arrive. And not to put too fine a point on it, but this is not ideal. We don't want surrogate mothers feeling as though they have to care for the baby. That's literally a provision of the arrangement and part of what makes it a transparent and ethical practice. The gestational surrogate agrees to carry the baby but has no claim, desire to keep, or expectation to care for the baby. In other cases, agencies worked with the surrogate and the parents to hire a nanny and provide housing. Some had to be assigned temporary guardianship in order to care for the child. Relatives or friends of the intended parents were located in some cases, and they were charged with caring for the newborns. It was a logistical, legal, and emotional nightmare. Basically, COVID-19 threw the surrogacy world into chaos. There are no official numbers on how many babies were stranded around the world, but it was definitely too many. One estimate that at least 200 babies were stuck in the U.S. during the early days of the COVID-19 shutdown. Closed embassies, passport offices, vital records departments, and courthouses all threw the system into a standstill. Pre- and post-birth orders were delayed. Families couldn't obtain birth certificates or passports in a timely manner. The repercussions of these closures and delays are still being felt in some cases. In other words, it's been a gigantic mess. It's a gigantic mess that's exposing some weaknesses, loopholes, and vulnerabilities of some important systems, though. And that can be a good thing. The silver lining in all of this is hindsight. The struggles and frustrations of those early pandemic days caused us to rethink and adjust for our new reality. It's not easy. But when it comes to the love of a parent has for a child, whether that child has been born on this earth already or is yet to come, there are no limitations and no obstacles too difficult to overcome. And so, yes, we are forging on in the surrogacy community. Agencies like Family Inceptions are very much here to help you navigate the process. Surrogacy attorneys have been hard at work reimagining contracts to account for situations we never would have dreamed about a year ago. Advocates are lobbying governments to account for the rights of intended parents in terms of expediting travel visas and passports. It's not easy, but then again, nothing in parenthood ever is. Of course, it's easy to say, where there's a will, there's a way. But the ugly truth is, there's still the threat of a potentially deadly, novel virus out there. Bureaucratic obstacles aside, there are serious health concerns to think about. Clearly, COVID-19 is a health risk, which leads me to my next point. What happens if the surrogate mother contracts COVID-19 while pregnant? The uncomfortable truth about the current pandemic is that we still don't have all of the answers. Scientists and medical professionals around the globe are working tirelessly to study questions like this and come up with some definitive answers. But for now, we have to operate based on the best information we have available at this point in time. The American Society for Reproductive Medicine, or ASRM, 
has been diligent about following research and putting out guidelines for how we should all operate during these times. In July, the ASRM adopted recommendations to make surrogacy as safe as possible. These recommendations include taking into consideration the current COVID-19 situation where the intended parents and gestational carrier or egg donor live, using frozen donor eggs and sperm shipments for embryo creation instead of traveling to obtain them, documenting if a donor or surrogate has had close contact with someone who's had tested positive for COVID-19, has had a positive test for COVID-19, or has had symptoms associated with COVID-19. Donors or gestational carriers who test positive should have their cycles canceled. They also published recommendations for precautions gestational surrogates should take while undergoing fertility treatments. These will probably sound pretty familiar. Wear a mask when in public places. Wash your hands frequently for at least 20 seconds or use alcohol-based sanitizer made with at least 60% alcohol. Cover your mouth and nose with a sleeve or tissue when coughing or sneezing. Avoid traveling to areas with active COVID-19 outbreaks. Don't socialize with anyone who has traveled to such an area for at least 14 days. So what's the risk associated with pregnancy and COVID-19? From the beginning, pregnancy has been listed as one of the factors that place someone in the higher risk category. That goes for any pregnant person, of course, not just surrogates, but why is that? Well, the CDC website says, based on what we know at this time, pregnant people might be in an increased risk for severe illness from COVID-19 compared to non-pregnant women. Additionally, pregnant women with COVID-19 may be at increased risk for other adverse outcomes, such as preterm birth. There is some thinking that pregnancy itself makes a woman more immunocompromised than a non-pregnant woman, and so pregnancy is listed as a higher risk factor. The reality is the science is more complicated than that. I understand where the CDC is coming from since we always want to err on the side of caution. If labeling pregnancy as a risk factor keeps pregnant individuals from being more cautious and apt to follow health and social distancing guidelines, then that's great. According to a study published in 2010, the American Journal of Reproductive Immunology, their research found that the concept that pregnancy is associated with immune suppression has created a myth of pregnancy as a state of immunological weaknesses and therefore of increased susceptibility to infectious diseases. The authors of the study, Moore and Cardenas, go on to say that, evolutionarily speaking, our species wouldn't fare too well if, as a rule, pregnancy caused a weakened immune system. They say pregnancy represents the most important period of the conservation of the species. Therefore, it is fundamental to strengthen all of the means to protect the mother and the offspring. In conclusion, the study states that categorizing pregnancy as a period of general immune suppression or increased risk is misleading and prevents the determination of adequate guidelines for treating pregnant women during pandemics. A pregnant woman's immune system definitely changes during pregnancy. And the stakes are certainly higher when there's a tiny human developing in her uterus. But the idea that pregnancy itself is a risk factor might be overstated. There is also encouraging news that COVID-19 doesn't appear to affect the infants as it does adults and older children. So the risk of the baby contracting the virus is minimal. What I want to clarify here is that if you have your heart set on becoming a surrogate to help grow another family, 
you shouldn't necessarily let the designation of pregnancy as a risk factor sway you. Of course, check with your doctor and always trust your gut. But this CDC designation alone shouldn't stop you. But doctors' offices and fertility clinics have made many changes to protect patients and vulnerable populations. Initial ASRM guidelines included the suspension of new cycles and the canceling of many embryo transfers. A lot of this decision had to do with the fear that local health systems would be overwhelmed. During the first few months of the pandemic, a major effort was made to flatten the curve, meaning medical personnel and resources had to be rationed, saving hospital beds, PPE, and resources to treat COVID-19 and critical patients. In July of 2020, the ASRM updated their guidelines for fertility clinics, and since then, many have begun to reopen. Welcome news for intended parents everywhere. But like so many aspects of our life, the landscape there looks quite different. One of the most frustrating and anxiety-inducing aspects of our current situation is how much we simply don't know. And so, out of an abundance of caution, a gestational surrogate may be encouraged to self-quarantine as much as possible. The end of 2020 brought with it some light at the end of the tunnel. Multiple vaccines were approved or nearing approval by the FDA, and healthcare and high-risk individuals began to get vaccinated. The biggest question about the vaccine as it relates to surrogacy is probably the effect it may have on a pregnant woman and the baby she is carrying. Again, there's a lot we don't know. And it's worth saying that pregnant individuals were not specifically included in the vaccine clinical trials. Still, the CDC, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine all agree that pregnant women should be offered the new mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. This type of vaccine does not contain any virus particles, and it's believed to be very unlikely that mRNA particles can reach or cross the placenta. Whether or not to receive the vaccine is sure to be one more COVID-era detail that will be added to the surrogacy contract. Intended parents and surrogates will need to discuss and weigh the risks versus benefits of receiving the vaccine while pregnant. Honestly, this is just one of many new details family formation attorneys have to scramble to account for in a contract. Let's talk about how else contracts have changed due to COVID. Surrogacy attorneys have been working feverishly to navigate and rewrite surrogacy contracts in the time of COVID. There are a few main areas of surrogacy law that require special attention. First, contracts need to include some very clear and extensive contingency plans. In light of the travel restrictions and subsequent problems for intended parents, there needs to be a clear plan in place if the intended parents can't physically get to their baby. Who will take care of the child in that case? Intended parents are now being asked to appoint a backup guardian to take over. Because while a surrogate mother may be willing to care for the child out of the goodness of her heart, she should never be expected or obligated to do so. This issue is even more pressing for international and non-local intended parents. They absolutely need to designate power of attorney arrangements and temporary guardians. Getting an immigration lawyer involved may also be necessary in order to work on the court system for an exception or permission to travel in order to retrieve a newborn baby. Another new consideration for surrogacy contracts is social distancing and mitigating risk. I've heard some worry expressed by intended parents who are concerned about how a surrogate may react to COVID-19 precautions. Will she do everything she can to avoid contracting COVID? Will she wear a mask in public? 
avoid large gatherings. I will say this, there's always risk with any pregnancy, and women who enter into surrogacy arrangements do so with a strong sense of service. She wants a healthy baby just as much as intended parents do. In normal times, a surrogate promises to avoid risky behaviors and do all she can to have a full-term, complication-free pregnancy. The same is still true. Part of the matching process is finding someone you have complete trust in. You are very literally entrusting them with the life of your child. Still, I tell all of our intended parents and surrogates that from a legal standpoint, it's best to cover all of your bases. I'm sure your attorney will tell you the same. It's starting to be common practice to see a COVID-inspired clause in a surrogacy agreement. If you're working with an experienced surrogacy attorney, that person will be your best resource, of course. But I'm going to share an overview of what I've seen in terms of contracts. A clause being added lately states that the surrogate will follow all shelter-in-place and social distancing recommendations, both those of the local authorities and also those made by the CDC. The contract may require the surrogate to avoid risky behaviors such as attending large gatherings, dining indoors at restaurants, working out at a public gym, and so on. Some go so far as to request that surrogates sanitize all frequently used surfaces in their home on a daily basis, or that they avoid working outside the home around other people. Another contractual point to consider is the possibility of delayed or canceled cycles and the financial obligation involved with that. If an intended parent and a surrogate enter a contract, but then the parents request to start a cycle later, will they owe a waiting fee to the surrogate? I would say it's appropriate to compensate a surrogate for her delay time because she is feeling a real impact to her life and career as she waits the next steps. Obviously, there's a lot to consider with surrogacy, even in normal times. If you had your heart set on surrogacy pre-pandemic, there's no flashing red light warning you away from it right now. Does it add a layer or 10 of complications? Of course, but I'm guessing nothing about your journey has gone exactly as you planned. I hope you found this discussion helpful as you weigh your next steps. You can follow Fertility Cafe on its new Instagram and Facebook channel at Family Inceptions. If you haven't yet, go to your listening platform of choice and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'd also love you to share Fertility Cafe with friends and family members who would benefit from the information shared. Join us next week for another conversation on modern family building. Thank you so much for joining me today. Remember, love has no limits. Neither should parenthood. Thank you for joining us in the Fertility Cafe. Whether you're an intended parent, a woman considering egg donation, thinking of becoming a surrogate yourself, or a friend or family member of someone dealing with infertility, we're here to help. Visit our website, thefertilitycafe.com, for resources on fertility, alternative family building, and making this journey your own.